This week's Rethink Retail podcast is brought to you in association with Emarsis, part of SAP. Trusted by over 1,600 companies worldwide, Emarsis's impact-driven industry solutions give power to the marketer. Emarsis knows that marketers don't have time to chase after flashy predictions and trends for the year, which ultimately don't lead to revenue and growth. This is why Emarsis has launched Unpredictions, marketing priorities powering 2022. Request a demo or check out the ebook at emarsis.com. Hello and welcome to the Retail Rundown podcast. I'm Gabriella Bach, Rethink Show producer and today's host. Today, we will hear from up-and-coming designer Gwen Bellotti. Gwen is the founder and designer of her namesake jewelry brand, Gwen Bellotti. Founded in 2019, the Brooklyn-based brand is committed to providing women with stylish, everyday accessory options that are high-quality, accessible, and size-inclusive. Gwen Bellotti was also featured in the NRF's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Showcase during its big show last month. But long before Gwen launched her brand, she was a young girl growing up in Brooklyn, where her love for jewelry was first ignited during a trip to the mall with her friends. I forget what day it was, but I think we were in eighth grade. It was definitely junior high school. And, you know, you play hooky periodically. And me and my girlfriends, we wanted to go to the mall because a new designer at the time had come out with some jeans. So we went and, you know, we're all standing there. Everyone's looking for their size. But unfortunately, you know, I was twiddling my thumbs because they didn't have my size. And that really sucked. Like, that's kind of the story of my life, especially in my younger years. So instead of like wallowing in that moment and in that space, I would venture off into the jewelry part of the store, right? Because even though there are concerns as it relates to fit with jewelry, not so much as apparel, and I needed to find a space to still be creative and to feel at home and feel like there were opportunities for me. And I definitely found that in jewelry. And that's really what sparked my love for jewelry at an extremely early age and has built to where I'm at today. So in the eighth grade, you really start experimenting with accessories and looking for your personal style and crafting your personal style that will kind of serve as the blueprint for your designs later on. But first you go to college and you study psychology. You actually have a master's degree in psychology. Was your intention to become a psychologist? I think initially I studied psychology. I've always had a love for people. And I think I have an innate ability to kind of connect with people and to understand where they're coming from. I particularly studied human behavior and organizational psychology, which is kind of similar to ergonomics. So that's like the psychology of spaces and how that impacts your mood and productivity. So there was a way for me to kind of intertwine being creative and also this human aspect of it as well. So I didn't actually pursue psychology out of college, but I think we all use psychology in some way or form daily. And I think it's definitely had a positive impact on my business because I do work with customers and they are the heart of the company. I kind of thought I would move into that space, but life has a way of turning out how it wants to, regardless of how whatever plan you set out. Your background in psychology, you know, has to help so much in like understanding, you know, the customer, their wants and their needs. And I mean, 
fashion and accessorizing, it's such a personal thing. So how and when did the idea to start your own jewelry company occur to you? Like, what was the spark? Before I started formally designing jewelry, I was actually an apparel designer. So I needed to solve the first problem that I have, which was finding clothing that fit well and that accentuated me in a positive way. So I taught myself the art of design and apparel, cut, sew, drape, all of the above. And I started a small clothing line. I never thought that I was going to be a clothing designer or a business owner, but I started to make clothing for myself initially. And then family and friends, they were, you know, really supportive. And they said, you have a great product here. Won't you do something with it? Can you make something for me? And that kind of grew. And then a few years in, I introduced jewelry just as a compliment to the apparel and people responded to it beyond what I could have imagined. And then eventually I decided to lean just into that. But I think there was always something there. You know, I spoke about my story as a young girl, my love for accessories, my first love, if you will, was even before apparel. So I think in some way or another, I'm doing what I was intended to do. I couldn't see it back then, but in hindsight, I had already collected, my jewelry collection is insane. And it doesn't have to do with price point or anything like that. But, you know, when you find something that you like, that you love, that looks good and that feels good, you want to have more of it. Right. So I think it was really natural, the trajectory from the apparel to the jewelry. And can you tell me a little bit about some of your very first designs and what served as the inspiration behind them? So the very first piece that I designed was a necklace that had Brooklyn on the front of it. I love my borough. I love the city that I live in, where I was born. And it really sparked my interest in creating. I had already had a love for utilizing and wearing jewelry, but not necessarily being the maker. So there was a couple of tweaks that I wanted to make about the piece. So I started exploring how I could make it my own. I visited a bunch of different jewelers and I was like, wait a minute, I can I can totally do this myself. It wasn't easy to figure out, but that's where my love for jewelry really started as far as like being on the maker and the designer side. And it definitely has something to do, something that spoke to me personally, the city where I'm from. And I still own the piece to this day. And I look back on it and I can't believe we've come as far as we have, starting with just that initial piece. Taking it back to those early days. So you are creating your own clothing and designing a little bit of your own jewelry and your friends and family take notice and they're like, hey, we want some too. And then it occurs to you, you know, I can make money off of this. So you launch your first apparel collection online. You start to build a following. How did that feel? It felt new and different, right? Because I had been making clothing for myself and then making clothing for family and friends. And they were my first customers. But to actually be, in essence, a business owner, because it wasn't something that I set out to do, it was unfamiliar, obviously, but also it was just really new, but also exciting, right? Doing something new is exciting. So I was able to create pieces that, you know, made women look and feel beautiful, but I was also able to think about my own pain points, just as I do with jewelry, um, but with apparel and think about ways to create designs that were ideal for everyday wear, but also flattering, right? And some people had issues with finding things that fit them just like I did. Um, I often try to speak to my customer who understands and speaks my language because they've had a similar experience or similar issues. So it was exciting. Um, It was really new. I was really young. I definitely didn't give the business side of it as much attention as I should have. And maybe I could blame it on age or just 
blame it on being a new small business, but it was an experience that I wouldn't trade in. I think it definitely has led us to where we are today. So it was meant to be a part of the journey. So you've spoke on your experience with apparel and how important it is to find the right fit. Your brand statement also mentions inclusivity when it comes to jewelry. And I think that's something that many of us probably don't think about too often. So what does it mean to be truly size inclusive for a jewelry maker? And and what are some of the challenges that you've seen in that area? Yeah, for sure. Um, So we often throw around the word standard, right? But standard isn't standard. Even in the jewelry space, people don't often associate or think about size issues or size concerns when they think about jewelry. But it is a concern for, you know, a significant number of women right here in this country. Over 70% of women in the United States wear a size 14 or larger. You know, you hear about a size 16-inch necklace being standard, but that's not standard. It'll fit, feel, and look completely different from one woman to the next. Uh, most ring sizes you'll see go up to a size seven. Not every woman wears that size or even anklets might go up to a nine inch. So it was really important for me to consider my own personal experience with fit, um, both as a maker, as well as a shopper and a business owner and bring that to the forefront. I wanted to create a brand that was inclusive so that women of all sizes can enjoy jewelry, particularly in the minimalist space. You don't see a lot of larger sizes and, you know, women of larger sizes, they want delicate and dainty too. So I really had to stop and think about some of my own personal pain points. And it was really important for me to consider those when I decided to fully launch the jewelry collection. So you started off with apparel and designing clothing that was really focused on fit. And then you decided you were going to, you know, lean hard into jewelry and focus on jewelry. So what factors led to you making that decision? Yeah, in full transparency, when I introduced jewelry to the collection, like I mentioned a little while ago, it took off and the sales were way higher than the apparel was. And that was one reason to focus solely on that, right? That's an important part of running a business is generating revenue. And the jewelry was definitely generating way more revenue than the apparel was. So it was a way for us to kind of stop and really assess the business. And it was also around the time of the pandemic. That was definitely a time to consider what's working and lean more into that instead of wasting resources. So it was at that point that I decided to just focus on the jewelry. And it was hard. It wasn't an easy decision because for the most part, people associated me with fashion and apparel. So when I decided to change the title to a jewelry company versus apparel or versus apparel and jewelry or just fashion, that was a really, really tough decision. Um, But it was one of the best decisions that I've ever made um, because something in me said and told me that this is where you're meant to go. And looking back, at my history with accessories. I knew it, but we get in our heads sometime and we assume that people are going to think X, Y, and Z, but no one was thinking that. The, the positive energy and response that we've seen as a result of launching the jewelry collection was amazing. So when you started to lean more into jewelry, you know, it sounds like you had like all this energy buzzing around you, then 2020 hits. And as we know, the pandemic was especially challenging on small businesses and creators. So how did the pandemic impact you as a small business? And what measures did you take to move forward? Sure. So, I mean, just talking about the pandemic in itself, it was just a tough time for everyone, right? I think there are silver linings. My business definitely saw one. 
with all of the attention that was being put on small businesses, in particular minority-owned businesses, we were able to see some growth. It also gave me an opportunity to really focus and tune into our customer. We weren't doing pop-ups anymore, and that was a regular part of the company. We would do weekly pop-ups, sometimes monthly, and even travel to do them. But because there weren't any in-person events, we really had to focus on our website as well as our email marketing. So we got really personal with our customer. We wanted to know what they wanted from us, how we can do things better. We hosted a number of focus groups and sent out surveys and whatnot. I think that was the ideal time to do that because people were home and people were just looking for ways to connect. And leaning into all of that, I'd have to say, you know, we saw growth and the business is in a better place today than it was prior to the pandemic. And, you know, even though it was a tough time, um, I'm thankful for the opportunities. We had an opportunity to partner with companies like American Express um, and some other big retailers who wanted to shine a light on small businesses because we, you know, tend to, to struggle more than bigger businesses and our access to resources are limited. So in that regard, I'm thankful for the opportunities that we were presented with and also with the opportunity to really make our customer a priority. Not to say that she wasn't a priority prior to, but definitely we paid a lot more attention to her. We were listening to her. We wanted to hear from her because we knew that she is the heart of the company, right? And that's going to lead us into the next phase and to allow us to do things bigger and better. You know, I think it's amazing how much you were able to grow during the pandemic We didn't really see that from too many small businesses. And, you know, part of the reason you were able to do that was because you deployed these tactics that really we only see from bigger brands or more established retailers. Can you tell us about some of the strategies you put in place over the last year to reach new customers? Sure. So I can speak to a couple. Uh, We have a brand ambassador program that we launched not too long ago. And for us, it was really important to have brand ambassadors who look like our customer, right? We're talking about size, inclusivity, quality, and whatnot. So it's really important for the customer that we're marketing to, to see themselves and the women that we feature in our marketing campaigns and the women that are on our website and in our ambassadors, because ambassadors are real women, right? So it's important that women see other women who look like them. When they visit gwimbalati.com, we want them to feel at home. So that program has definitely played an integral role in helping us grow and reach more consumers by way of our ambassadors and them utilizing their audience. Another thing is our subscription. So we have a quarterly subscription. It's called Golden Stories. And that came about because the reviews that we were getting on the jury were just really great. We have currently almost 100 five-star reviews on Google. And what's unique about our subscription model is designed to build out a collection. It's not just random pieces. So everything is kind of interconnected, right? You know, I sell a product, we design a product, but we're definitely trying to build community. And that's really important. So we try to infuse that community aspect in everything that we do. So with the Golden Stories accessory box, um, we're connecting with our members and asking them, you know, what are they looking for? And it's really important that they have a complete and perfect collection, if you will, and not just miscellaneous pieces. And that lets them know that we're thoughtful and really intentional about how we're serving them. So that has also been a nice addition to all of what we're doing at Gwimbalati. That's amazing. It sounds like you've created this truly authentic connection between your brand and yourself and your customers. And ultimately, it's 
that connection, what keeps them loyal. So as you look to the future, what do you envision for your brand? Do you see partnerships with retailers? Do you see boutiques of your own? Yeah, so that's definitely the next phase. We definitely want to grow and scale so we can serve more golden beauties, as we call our beloved customers all over. Right now, we we are primarily e-commerce. We are on a few key marketplaces, but definitely looking to move into more retail spaces in 2022 and perhaps some bigger retailers as well. And also one day have a flagship store that's definitely a part of the plan. That's the goal to reach more women. You know, we have a product that we believe in, that our clients believe in. And if the right people, our people have the opportunity to experience a product, we believe that they will find a home in Gwimbalati. So that's our goal to, to be a household name for the clients who are looking for what we have to offer. And that style, inclusivity, and quality that is accessible to women, to all women. Well, I certainly hope to be able to visit your flagship store one day. And as we wrap, I wanted to know if you could go back and tell yourself one thing before starting your brand, what would it be? If I could tell myself one thing, hmm. you know, I don't like to believe in regrets. So I would really just say hone into what feels right. And the one thing that I spoke about today that really always speaks to me and stands out for me was a tough decision to move into a space that people didn't know me for. Right. And that was really tough. But my gut told me it was the right thing to do. So instead of waiting Maybe that would be one regret. I waited a little bit long to just own it. Um, So I would say to my younger self, if you feel it, go with it. Easier said than done. I know it, but try your best to just really believe, believe in you. And that's believing in that feeling and just really owning it. Well, I certainly think that's solid advice, not just for young entrepreneurs, but for all of us. But I must say the future looks bright for Gwen Bilotti. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. And I can't wait to see what's ahead for your brand. And for our listeners, you can find links to the Gwen Bilotti collection in the description of this episode, as well as on our website at rethink.industries. Thank you so much for being here today, Gwen. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. If you would like to be considered as a guest on our show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. For sponsorship opportunities, send us an email at media at rethink.industries. You can help support our team at Rethink Retail by dropping us a rating and review on your iTunes podcast app. To each and every one of you, thanks so much for tuning in. Retail never sleeps. See you next week.